All right, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the Cleveland Moto Podcast. Right now, we're going to start the podcast off a little bit differently with uh, phone chat. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, I'm uh, usually known as Patrick Donnelly, but uh, there's some mitigating circumstances. Sometimes I'm known as Ari Gaffer. Right. That would be that would be the internet. Courtesy of the internet. Okay, now you have got a hell of a story about not only your love of motorcycles and and everything else, but you know how you met your wife and and just a, a fucking really entertaining story for people who like the people that you meet through the motorcycles and in this case podcasts in general and also Second Life. <laughs> You want the short version or the long version? Well, give us the give us the ten minute podcast version. <laughs> Not second okay. life. Sorry, what was that in the back? Oh, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so the short version, as opposed to the fun version, would be uh, through the internet. I have got some good bikes, some great friends, and an even better wife. And I've only been married once. Nice. And how old are you? Uh. 57. 57. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, uh, the fun version is, uh, I don't even know where to start. I started riding when I was 9 or 10, and about 10 years ago, I wound up with the Suzuki GSX 1100, and that led to other things, and then I wound up with a Yamaha FJ 1200, a really clean one, and I Right away, I go, oh, wait, there's the Internet. There must be other guys on the Internet that like FJs. And sure enough, there's a couple of groups out there that are pretty active. They put on rallies every year, and mostly back east. Oh, I live in Alaska, forgot to say. (laughs) Um, So short season and uh, not as many cool roads as you guys have. But anyway, um, sure enough, the network's out there. They put on rallies every year and have a great time. They go, hey. That's a good idea. I should do that, too. So the plan was to acquire another FJ and keep it back east somewhere and hook up with the guys, do the rallies, ride on the cool roads, have fun. And uh, sure enough, there's a guy on the FJ group that has, he lives in Hawaii, but he has a couple of bikes in Maryland. He's not sure what he's going to do. And he goes, hey, I'll sell you something. And then I didn't do anything for years. Except talk about it. So in the meantime, I get involved with Second Life, which is a virtual world. Go Google search it. and uh, It's really cool and really weird and really big. And because of podcasting and Second Life, I wound up with a handful of friends scattered around. And one of them lives in Florida and wanted to do the Blue Ridge Parkway. And so... um, yeah, like I said, some years go by, and we always talk, hey, let's get together and go, go to the ride. And I didn't do it till one day I got motivated. So I started looking for this uh, Hawaiian guy to hook up, you know, one of these FJs or two or whatever, and I couldn't reach him. <clears throat> and about the same time, another guy in Maryland pops up and goes, oh, crap, i got to sell my bike. I need a new roof. So I bought an FJ in Maryland. And then I get a hold of my uh, Florida friend and say, hey, look, I got a bike. Let's do it. She goes, great. I'll set it up. And in the meantime, a few months earlier, I had uh, I had been doing the online dating thing for a couple of years, and I was over it. And I was kind of waiting for it to just time out. And 
I always wrote to people and didn't always get an answer back. I'm kind of weird. So, anyway, the, the last profile that pops up, a new one, clearly not from Alaska, and I go, yeah, right, she won't write. <clears throat> she didn't even got a picture of her motorcycle in there. She won't write to me. And I just clicked on the one-click thing and said, that's it, I'm done. Well, darn if she didn't write back. So, we had been communicating for a few months when I got the east side FJ. And once the trip was all set up, I uh, got a hold of her and I said, hey, we're going to be, she's in Cincinnati, by the way. I said, hey, we're going to be kind of in your neighborhood and going to ride the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, she goes, ooh, can I come? And I said, well, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, we've got a trip lined up. <clears throat> and then, turns out, next day or so, she gets a hold of me. She says, I have some trepidation about riding my bike. How about doing it two up? And I said, I'm okay with that. FJ is okay with that. And this is a two girl you've out. never actually physically met before. No. This is just some chick I met that's been sick in Cincinnati and via the internet and pictures and a lot of words. So, get this. Here's the, here's the, the end result. I'm going on this a two-week motorcycle. Tinder, right? <laughs> What's that? This was before Tinder, right? Before what? Did you meet her on Tinder? No, it was actually on Zoosk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, here's the deal. I'm going on a two-week motorcycle with some woman that I've never met, and, and we're going to do a two-week trip. And um, wow, I just bought a motorcycle from some guy that uh, I've never met. And that was a funny story, too. You know, he goes, oh, I hate to do it. I, I hate to sell my bike, but I need a roof. Anyway, we wrote some letters back and forth, and the short version is I finally sent him a short message that said, how about if I buy it and you keep it? He goes, I can do that. So you're going to so buy the motorcycle, but he's going to keep it at his house. Yeah, I paid all him the money, and it was done. All right. So you got an East yeah. Coast bike. <clears throat> yeah, done. So that was, I had to skip back a little bit. But anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm about as disjointed as I sound. Uh, so I'm going to do this trip. I bought a motorcycle I, I've never seen from a guy I've never met. I'm going to do a two-week trip with some woman I've never met, except, you know, I've talked to her for four years. And I'm going to have some chick riding on the back that I've never met. And I've <laughs> only known these people from the Internet. Right. Wow. So I fly to D.C. Uh, Kitty is her name. She drives from Cincinnati. So you flew from Alaska to... Now, wait. Just get this straight. You... You flew from Alaska to D.C., right? Correct. Okay. To pick up a motorcycle you'd never seen in person that you bought, and now you're going to ride it from D.C. to Cincinnati, pick up a girl you've never met, and go on a two-week motorcycle adventure. You've got it almost right. The motorcycle is in Hollywood, Maryland, and which is a couple hours south of... uh, DWI. Okay, so yeah, and so she she's going to drive a car from Cincinnati to the airport, okay. pick me up. We're going to drive the hour and a half or whatever it is to Hollywood, and I've never met her, and uh, and I've mm-hmm. never ever seen this bike or the guy I bought it from, and none of this is real. It's all just virtual. <laughs> oh wow! And all these friends that I have from the internet with the exception of Kimmy, were all a result of podcasting and an interest in motorcycles and second line. Not necessarily in that order. Right. So I'm really jumping around in this story. But <laughs> um, she 
she picks me up at the airport. We meet. We drive to Hollywood to the guy's house. His name's Russ. Right. And we meet. And then uh, we did a day of prep. And then my friend from Florida has, has driven trailered her bike up. And we meet. And none of these people have ever met each other before. Ever. Wow. Yeah. So, here's what happened. We went off. Uh, um, I did have a contingency plan. In case it didn't work out, I had bus fare. But we went off. We had a wonderful ride on the Blue Ridge Parkway. We rode Tail uh, of the Dragon and noodled around some more. We just had the best time. And then we met back in Hollywood, and everybody split up. Uh, we took the car. Kenny and I took the car, drove back to Cincinnati, rode her bike. She had a uh, concourse. Oh, she's, um, she rides a concourse. Yep. Wow. Yeah, she didn't ride it on this trip, but she she has a concourse. And uh, we rode it around for a few days and just continued to have a great time. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and then after that, that was in October of 2011. In February 2012, she came to Alaska in February, which is the worst, darkest, snowiest, you know. Best time to come if you want to test. <laughs> and she liked it. So May 1st, she moved in. So, okay, so she came up to visit you in February and saw Alaska at its very worst and loved it so much that in May she moved in with you. That's correct. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last year we got married. <laughs> so obviously you're going to have to marry that person. Yeah. That, well, that, yeah, we did that. <laughs> that goes without saying. Yeah, wow. pretty much. She asked me and I couldn't say no. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> so that was kind of it in a nutshell. And then the reason I'm in Maryland right now is uh, our other podcaster, his second life, motorcycle friend, uh, he witnessed all this <clears throat> via, we used a, an app that allows IM text, voice, video, um, pictures, and whatever, uh, telegram. Sure. We used an app like that to uh, for our other internet friends to share on the trip with us the first time, because one of them is wheelchair down, actually house down. And we really wanted to take him along on our little adventure. So we've been doing this thing with, uh, you know, this IM tool for a number of years. In Cleveland, and, uh, if we would have wanted to bring somebody along with a wheelchair, we would have involved like nine bungee cords. Correct. We, we would have just dragged him behind us. In a sidecar. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a little red wagon. <laughs> so you did so, it virtually. Yeah, we did it virtually because he's in Arizona. That's no and, fun. Uh, so this last thing we did was uh, we all got back together, uh, and then we hooked up with our Michigan friends. So basically, we came to Maryland, uh, had acquired a couple more FJs, and we rode them to Michigan, and then we rode around Michigan. We were originally going to ride around Lake Michigan, but that got kind of modified. We went up into the UP. We had a pretty darn good time, again, with new people that nobody ever met for for real in in real life. Right. And it was just a repeat of before, and it was uh, way cool. So that's why I'm in um, Maryland again, is I'm just wrapping up loose ends and moving things where they have to go to be home. Yeah. And uh, and I stopped by the shop on the way and started this whole adventure uh, in podcasting. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, will you be leaving a bike on the East Coast? I am still leaving the one here in Hollywood. It's still okay, here. cool. Oh, that's really and neat. And the one, the extra one that went to Michigan, I sold it to that guy. So we have yet another FJ fan on an FJ. Wow. I mean, this yeah. is really, I mean, this is kind of interesting because this is internet motorcycling 
well beyond what has been sort of internet motorcycling up to this point was people on chat forums and groups and you know live chats and RSS feeds and everything else. This is actually taking it to the next level of taking these relationships that you have online and moving it into actually a, a real human being interaction. It's, it's kind of interesting. It is. It's very interesting. And uh, part of it is credit is due to the fact that the FJ uh, user group forum, those are a really excellent bunch of guys. I mean, super extra excellent folks. I don't know. Something about the FJs. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really, uh, that's kind of cool because when we do this stuff, we end up meeting people at a rally, and you go, okay, well, yeah, I'll catch you online. What's your handle or whatever? And so when you meet these people, you've you've really never had human in, like personal contact with them. So is it name tags with like your internet handle and then your well, real name underneath it? That is a funny thing because we all knew each other for Second Life. Um, and, the, and the other thing I was going to add to the cool people part is these are all podcasters. Yeah. So uh, that also makes them double cool folks. But anyway, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty weird because uh, I only know these people. It, it didn't learn their real names until a lot later. Uh, we only know each other by their second life names, right? Which is, in my case, is Ari Gaffer. Uh, the you know from Florida, it's Chugabug, and uh, the Michigan guy is Itazura, and uh, you know another the guy in Arizona is Keeney and Keeney Cast. It's a pretty funny show. Anyway, um, yeah, we kind of tried to use each other's real names and it just didn't work out. So oh, so you didn't, didn't call so, so you couldn't even communicate with each other with your Christian names, as it were. You, re- <laughs> you, you literally, you literally, re- you found it more natural and more comfortable to communicate using your second life names. Yes. Yeah. My so name is Baphomet. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So, you know what? That might sound weird. Like, if you've got a name like Chugabug, I mean, how can you beat that? Well, that's that's true because the, your second life knife, your second life name, and your second life persona is the one you want. It's not the one that was given to you. It's the one you've built. Yep. Well, it's like your forum name and all that. Right. When, when I first met all the guys from Do the Ton that we go party with every year, right? You know, we all showed up and they just called me Forty Five Garage. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so that is that is a real element of meeting people on the internet. You know, it might sound weird, you guys sitting around a garage, and it's, I know it's not exactly the same, but I used to drive truck. Oh yeah, I was leased to a company called. Yeah, T- handle. I was leased to a company called TMC out Des Moines, Iowa, and I mean, I would run all over the the central United States with other TMC drivers, and it was really strange to stop somewhere right. and be in person, face to face with them, and talk while having a meal or whatever. Yeah, you felt weird, but then when you jump back in your truck, right. Start running down the road, talking on the CB. It was just—it was very natural. Exactly. It's all natural. Right. So yeah. I can kind of understand. So it makes the human interaction feel strange. It did. It really did. And in your particular background, it was like, are you White Lightning One or White Lightning Four? Because I'm, I'm yeah. sure on the CB radio, everybody's fucking named White Lightning. <laughs> well, a lot of people on forums, uh, when I meet them in person, they they call me DJ. Right. Of course, because of your handle. Yeah. yeah. Well, because uh, on a lot of forums, I'm DJ Elliot, right. which is Dustin James Elliot. And uh, they just see that DJ, so they're like, yo, hey, what's up, DJ? Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, that is the funny thing, where we have got to, finally, as human beings, got to select our identity, as opposed to run around I, using I the like one I that our parents gave us. records when they... Right. Like, a lot oh, of people... Well, a lot of people what's do... What's up, DJ? I'm like, eh. A lot of people make that assumption, so... Oh, that's really so, cool. So what's your next yeah, big... So here, uh, here's one other aspect of this, kind of uh, goofy, too. 
my wife still calls me Ari on occasion. Uh? Yeah. Really? She she, she met me online. Oh, well, there you that go. That was my name. So and even she your still wife. uses it. Yeah. So the wedding yeah. vows, though, you did use your real names. So. Yeah, we did. Actually, uh, we, wrote, <laughs> we wrote our own hundred word vows. It was really fun. Can you guys have sex without a computer in between? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. It's really too bad she couldn't be here. She's actually at work right now in Alaska. But in Alaska. Uh, she is wow. she is hilarious. And this would have been a fun... Uh, because fun it would just be really... I mean, it would be funny to be like, Honey, this just isn't working. Can you go in the next room and get on a laptop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I got a whole thing I do. It's, uh, it's just not right with you turn, in the same room. Turn your webcam on. Oh, my God. Well, that's cool. So what's your next can, big... Can you spoof an address that says Pornhub? Right. <laughs> can you... Uh, so what's your next big trip? Um, probably towards uh, north of South Carolina, in that direction. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And are you yeah. going to try to do a trip again where you meet up with the same group of people from Second Life, or are you going to try a whole new crew? Uh, no, it'll probably be our Florida friend again. Oh, Florida friend and, again. Okay, cool. Yep. uh, I'm waiting for Third Life, actually. Yeah. Well, there's one coming. (laughs) Oh, there's one coming? So is it for the people who found Second Life to be just too mainstream and they're going to go off and have their own island? It it is going to be... Second Life is a hugely interesting experiment on a lot of levels, but uh, the technology is changing. (laughs) Yeah, I know what that is. Considering how long it's been around... And considering the connectivity, like how it's how easy it is for people to bring their interface device with them everywhere they go. I mean, it really is. You are Second Life is the perfect name for it because you're living your regular life, but you could spend easily, you know, half of that day in Second Life. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, it's really something. The uh, a massive say, social it, experiment. And it saves you a trip to the comic book shop, which is so nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you so much. I was I why I was telling these guys it was really cool to meet you at the shop. It was fantastic to, uh, to have you come in and uh, seeing the FJ roll up with Alaska license plates on it and uh, <laughs> and you know ninety seven cubic liters of luggage. It was uh, yeah. It was pretty slick. Yeah, and it was it was super fun hanging out with you too. I mean, that was uh, I wouldn't have stuck around if it wasn't that much fun. Oh, that was cool, man. Well, very good. We are going to let you bounce because we've got your uh, we got your twenty minutes here. Next time you have time, next time you're through and you have time, come to the west side and see the cool kids. Okay, I uh, definitely will. Seriously, will. Absolutely, the, the shop over on the west side is a totally different experience. The uh, it's got Johnny Crow. It's got Johnny Crow. Yeah. Johnny Crow. What more do you need? Well, all right. Well, thanks so much for uh, for getting in touch with us and and volunteering to be our very first ever uh, call in call in on the podcast. Well, really, really Chris? I'm honored. Was. Colin Guest. Colin Guest, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, All thanks, right. man. It was great talking to you. Well, likewise. And we'll and see you around. Have fun. Cheers. Have Bye-bye. Cheers, man. Cheers. Well, there we go. That is our very first ever Colin Guest on the Cleveland Moto Podcast. Uh, that isn't Chris wow. Smith. Yeah, I mean, we've done that. We've we've officially done the remote the remote bus feed. It, we've it, done it a Colin like Guest. The, uh, the, the audio was registering pretty well for him while you are holding the mic up there. So. Yeah, we'll see how it sounds. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing could sound this thing worse. This has a jack right here. It says phone line out. Could you have theoretic, no, no, theoretically? Headphones. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. Nothing will sound worse 
than last week's, than last week's <laughs> podcast. Uh, I did listen to it today. Oh, First God. of all, at minute number 12, it's just off the fucking rails, okay? It's a zoo. It is like have, It's like putting a microphone in the monkey cage at the zoo and then trying to translate it because the noises that were coming up, if we would have had 35 individual microphones, it couldn't have been more confusing. It was just... Oh, here goes our... Our diesel again, yeah. Oh, no burnout. No burnout. He's got the girl in the truck, so. <coughs> the, uh, but, and then there's a middle portion of the podcast, which is really quite good and quite listenable. Yeah, it, it kind of fell out in the middle. We figured out, I by listening, I could, and now I was there. Now, by listening to the podcast, <laughs> there were four conversations going on at one time. Now, when by being there, you're only listening to one of those conversations. Right. But when you're listening to the podcast, you can kind of listen to the other three. And the highlights would be, well, one, when uh, the guy who just moved to Ohio and's got a barn full of bikes said that he, he was not a chromosexual, I was like, okay, for I love that term, because we'd said we were bike curious, and he said, no, I'm not a chromosexual, and I was like, oh, fucking, that's beautiful. Uh-huh. And so I got to pick up on that little nugget today by listening to it, and then I realized... There was a whole pair of boobs that happened that I didn't catch. Oh, yeah. So you there was, remember the boobs? I remember the boobs. Two for two? There was one for one, one for one, <laughs> one for one. One for one, one for one, and then two for two. And then two for two, yeah, yeah. and that was it. So And she made it a point to tell us that they were 45-year-old boobs. And that she wasn't a whore. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we acknowledged that yeah. they were indeed 45-year-old boobs. We just said they were nice, and they were yeah, lovely, and they were out. Lovely. And that was Great. it. Thank you. And her husband was with her. Every her husband time. was with her, and if the husband said, "If they're out, they're fine." Ah, she showed her tits for bears all the time. No, wow. he started by saying she doesn't usually do this, and then five minutes later, he's right. like, "Ah, she does that." I'm like, man, you know what? If I had tits, I'd never mm-hmm. pay for a beer. It's just a fact of life. It is a superpower. They have to suffer with all they suffer with. Sure, they a lower pay scale and the lack of respect they get in the corporate community. But you know what? I can't get free beer by showing my nipples. They can go figure. Bruce Jenner can. Well, yeah. Did you see the internet meme? A picture of Bruce Jenner's cat and it was a little beagle. (laughs) (laughs) Try try asking Suri how old Bruce Jenner is. No, no. Really? It it, shuts you down. It says Caitlyn Jenner Jenner. is. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I ask if... if, They're taking a stand. If if Caitlyn Jenner still has Bruce's penis and it's like, I do not understand. I do not understand. Bruce's penis. (laughs) Phallus not found. (laughs) <laughs> that's a nerd joke for you. <laughs> the uh, four hundred four, four hundred four, phallus not found. <laughs> Dustin had to wait for the second second flyby on that one. <laughs> We're gonna meme that shit right now. Give me a picture of Caitlyn Jenner. Eric, four hundred four, phallus not found. The uh, that'll that'll be trending by the time this drops. The. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not saying anything good, bad, or indifferent about it. I just, uh, Facebook being the weird place that Facebook is, there was a post that got launched and ended up on my feed for some reason about, like, Kid Rock swears he's going to continue to use the Confederate flag in all of his shows, etc. No, it was fake. It was an entire fake story. It was a fake story. He's given up on using the Confederate flag. 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 <laughs> what would be a Confederate flag? I'm sure there were a few. <laughs> anyway, but... He's given up on using it in his show. It's like ten, hey, like 10 years ago. So it's not even a thing that's a thing. The funny thing was, Facebook is stupid. Well, the people who use Facebook are stupid because within seven responses and seven comments, it was, this is a fake. He quit using it 10 years ago. 
this is the source of the fakery, whatever. There were still 700 mm. comments after it saying, I respect his decision to keep using it. Dude, fucking reads, read the goddamn comments. Nobody reads comments. Right. They just, if oh, you, I'm going to reply. I'm going to reply. Let me let me just fire off my fucking, my, my literally, like, let me open my dick holder, stir some shit, <laughs> and press send, because I just don't think. You know what? I saw that. What's the first thing I did? I went to the comments, went all the way back to the beginning, and found out how quickly or whether or not I had to snope it. You know, and it's just one of those. It's that's the internet Dude, that being stupid. Like, well, it's kind of like today when uh, mm. the the Facebook post came out that Mander James Keenan from Tool yeah. was found dead. Yeah, you don't act on that shit. Yeah, you no, wait. he wasn't. It was you a wait. joke. You, if you wait. clicked on the link, right. yeah. the troll face came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just that, that flag is like anal sex. No, we didn't really want it that bad until you started saying no. <laughs> they don't even understand why the flag is. It, it just doesn't even matter. It just doesn't. This even is from matter. a guy that's got two of them tattooed on right. his body. It just doesn't matter. Whatever. Right. I don't say, oh. have to get a rainbow flag. Whatever. <laughs> no. You want to show that's your fine. hardcore? Go buy a Confederate motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> that's how hardcore you are. Go buy a Confederate Hellcat. <laughs> Crickets. Hey, I would not ride that motorcycle. I've ridden it once, and it was like that was like thirty five thousand dollars. I rode the motorcycle. Thank God I didn't buy it. I've never ridden one, but it looks just it's a rack. It, it looks just as much of a torture rack as it's a rack. The, as the Ducati. It's a rack. It's horrible. Whatever. It's have. a horrible yeah. fucking rack. And and you know what? It's not particularly great in any endeavor. But the the guy bought it and he brought it to our shop and he was like, "Can you sell this for me on consignment?" And I was like, "Honestly, I don't think so." <laughs> And he's like, I said, well, what do you want? He's like, well, I spent $35,000 on it. I'd like to get close to that back. Yeah, and I went on eBay no. and looked at eBay and perfect ones. And his had like 300 miles on it. Perfect ones were selling for twelve grand. And I was like, you need to compete with these ones that are selling for twelve and 13000 Well, I'm not willing to lose you know, $20,000 on this purchase. And I was like, well, you may not be willing to. But you're going to. But you're going to. Yeah. So it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad. But that's part of like... You know, getting into the market and buying really, really high just before the market collapses. And that's kind of... Unless you can find somebody who makes a bigger mistake than you did, you're going to hold that thing forever. I had a customer that I still... Oh, how can I describe this fast? Um, during the years when I was teaching, I was still holding on to, I don't know, 10 or a dozen customers. Yeah. One of my customers from, from the days of old, he used to come over to the west side when I worked for George for, for Motorcycle City. Yeah. And I just kept this guy forever as a customer because he was a good guy. But he had bought a um, gecko, Titan gecko. Titan gecko, yeah, and absolutely. That thing he wound up going down to like this was uh, <clears throat> what year? Two thousand eight, maybe mm-hmm. two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. He wound up going down to like I don't know nine grand to get rid of this thing. I and would he, treat that forty three thousand dollar motorcycle. That's the same way that I treated my mutual funds when the stock market crashed. I had forty grand in there, and the next day I had thirteen grand in there. <laughs> So you can either sit and wait for maybe someday it's going to come back, or you can take the money out and buy something cool with it and hope that it doesn't drop again, you know, by, before you get your money out of it. Or maybe you should just ride it. Or just, right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to buy it and you're going to spend that much money yep. on a bike, you just ride the hell out of it yep. until it falls apart. So today we had, a, well, I'm sorry, this happened yesterday at the shop. Gentleman comes into the shop. And he's got his gear on, he's got his leather on, he's carrying a helmet, but he has no motorcycle. He just doesn't have a motorcycle. So he's got all the shit on, but no motorcycle. And that's kind of strange. 
you know, just ready to ride away. That, that, that actually kind of sell him one. I was going to say that's, that's like, like bring, promising. That's like bring a trailer, right? <laughs> so he comes in, and I'm like, yeah, that can help you. And he goes, well, I got a problem. He goes, I work a couple of doors down, and I got a Buell. And I was like, shit, I've been through your parking lot. I've had customers' bikes break down in your parking lot. I've seen your Buell. You got a little lightning. It's pretty badass. And he's like, no, I sold that. I said, okay. I said, what do you got now? He goes, I got a brand new EBR. Like, one of the last ever yellow EBR cafe racers. Like, I mean... Unicorn. No, yeah. This shit is made out of unicorn fur. It is purely vapor, right? And so I was like, so what's up? He goes, well, I, I went out to my bike today, and I turned the key, and it, it, it no start. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I said, well, the battery's probably dead. Let me give you a jump box and go fucking rescue your bike. He goes, yeah, I think I might have left the key on, or I left, and I was like, mm, did you leave your key in your motorcycle all day long? And your brand new $38,000 Buell? Well, I'll have to remember that. Okay, and nowhere didn't get a Buell cheap. But anyway, he, uh, he says, I'm pretty sure I left that, I'm pretty sure I left something turned on or whatever. I left it in park mode with the taillight on, you know the story, but dead battery. So I offer him a jump box, and he goes, no, 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 can't use your jump box. I said, why can't you use my jump box? He goes, well, because it has a lithium battery. It's got a Shirai battery in it, and the battery's buried so deep in the middle of the motorcycle, I can't get to it to hook booster leads to it. Whoa, that sucks. He goes, there's a little cable coming out to plug in the the battery tender, or the Shirai version of a battery tender, and that's my only access to my battery. I was like, ooh, man. He goes, but, he goes, you know, the thing about these lithiums is, if they punk out, they actually shut themselves off before they flatline. And they come back. They charge back real fast. And yeah, that, they that shut is down at three, yeah. three point two a cell or mm-hmm. something like that. They... And that is true. So this guy, ultimate walk of shame, is pushing a thirty some thousand dollar motorcycle, two doors, three doors down on Tyler Boulevard, fifty miles an hour, and pushes it back to my shop, pushes it in, and he rolls it in, and we hook it up to a, a tender device in the showroom. So he goes, well, he goes. It's 5 o'clock. When do you close this? We close at 7. He goes, I'll be back here at 6.55. I'm going to get a ride home to my house. I'm going to get my car, and I'm going to come back. And uh, hopefully two hours on the charger will bring it back to life enough, and we'll be good. I'm like, yeah, all right. So he disappears and comes back later, comes up to his bike, turns the key on. Two hours later, two hours on a charger. Still no display, no tick, no click, no nothing. No sign of life whatsoever. I mean, this bike is a fucking brick at this point. Now, I know people who might try to bump start it at that point. And if you've not listened oh, to this podcast before, don't do that. That's dumb. Don't do that. And if you're, but the manual doesn't say to not bump start it. Okay, that's fine. Don't fucking jump, bump start this motorcycle. So I, he's like, so he's, he's really screwed. He has no idea what to do. I said, let me tell you what. Let me take off the tender. Let me put on an Optimate, the, the big top of the line Optimate which senses and detects everything. Let me plug your little dopey SAE connector that's coming out of your bike into the Optimate. We'll leave it overnight. Tomorrow, come back. I'm here at noon. I love the Optimate. And we're going to go back. I came into the shop this morning, or he called me this morning at like 12.05, because I got to the shop real early. But at 12.05, he called. He goes, well, what's up with the bike? I said, I don't even fucking know. I just got the lights on. So I went over, turned the key on. The bike was up to 100%. Life was good. I hit the starter and just like, wham, it just fucking jumped right to life. That just proves the Optimate is a superior charging device because it did what the battery tender couldn't do on a lithium. And battery tenders were good for maintenance stuff. But seriously, in this case, the Optimate detected that it was a lithium, made the correct adjustments, got the battery charged correctly, and he's back on the road. 
the moral of the story is when this all happened, he called his dealer. Now, his motorcycle is still on a temporary tag, which means it's less than 30 days old. He called the dealer who promised him, you're buying this now instantly obsolete motorcycle from me, but don't worry, I'll support you. I can still get parts for it. I'll still support you. The number you have reached. Right. So the dealer, the dealer carries other lines of motorcycles, and we're not going to name the dealer because this is secondhand information anyway, and I don't want to throw anybody under a bus. But he called the dealer and said, look, man, the bike I just bought from you won't start and it won't accept a charge. Can you send a truck up here to get it? And the guy's like, do you have any idea what that's going to cost? Because, by the way, he couldn't buy this bike in town because we don't have a dealer for these guys in town. So he had to go two hours outside of town, down towards Youngstown, to buy this bike. And so the dealer was like, the dealer essentially said, not only am I not going to come and rescue you, don't bring it in here so we can do fault diagnosis because this is a fucking unicorn and I'm no longer in charge of unicorns. So, really, you talk about guys are like, well, I'm going to buy it because they say they're going to support it. This is 30 fucking days later and it's not being supported. You should have bought on like a GL1200. He should have. <laughs> if you want do that kind of treatment, if, buy one of right, those. If you want bike nobody's going to work on, there's bikes you can buy. <laughs> Uh, now then, don't you feel like a shovelhead owner at the Harley dealer? Yeah, well. <laughs> or the other poor fucker that came into my shop yesterday afternoon, or day before yesterday afternoon, on a beautiful, gorgeous, low mileage 2003 Honda Magna. Now, come on. He says, well, you know, I haven't ridden in a couple of years, and I can only run it with the choke on, and da 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 I'm like, well, you know, the V4 is carburetor's a nightmare. Um, really tough, tough, tough. I'm going to give you the bad news first. If i got to pull that rack and go through that whole rack of carbs, this is not going to be cheap. This is going to be a lot of time and a lot of labor. So I'm just letting you know now, this, this is my least favorite rack of carbs to work on. And he said, well, you know, but it needs to be done. And okay. And the bike is like got 1300 miles on it. So I can appreciate that. It's just a mistake. It's a bad mistake. And he's going to have to pay his way back from it. So I said, well, I'm just letting you know, a lot of motorcycle dealerships won't even agree to work on this bike. Even though most motorcycle dealerships say they won't work on anything earlier than a 96, they make exceptions for this bike and say, in this case, it's a 2003. We won't work on it. I'm like, be, be assured if you took your VT 1100 in there from 98, they'd work on it. But because this is what this is, he goes, well, I'm very happy you said that because that's why I'm here. The guys at the Honda dealership gave me your card because they refused to work on it. And I said, they refused to work on a 2003? And he goes, he goes yeah. I said, wow, tough times are tough, man. If they're refusing to work on a 2003 Honda Magna because it's difficult. Now, they, you know, they wouldn't have refused if you wanted a windshield put on, some pipes put on, and two tires. They wouldn't have refused it. But because it's a carb problem on a 2003 750 Magna, they're saying no and giving him my card. Wow. That's tough. I mean, you don't think that buying a bike that's not even 12 years old yet, you're going to not be able to get support for it when it's a fucking Honda. I mean... It's something to consider when you do buy a bike. Fuck yeah. And we talked about this in an earlier podcast. Can you afford that cheap motorcycle? Right. And you might really, before you buy any motorcycle... It'd be a damn good idea to call the dealers within a hundred mile radius of your house and ask if they'll work on it. If I have a carburetor problem, if I need my valves adjusted, what does it cost to do these jobs? 
And if they tell you we don't work on those, then don't fucking buy the bike. Because even the guy who runs the quote the small shop who does work on that stuff. It's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot of money to get worked on. And I might be backlogged three weeks, you know, which is exactly what's happening. So that's a tough one, man. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes whatsoever. Well, this week was interesting for me. Yeah. Because I I told you I sold that NC700. You did. The guy came Monday. Yeah. Picked it up. Yeah. Called me, texted me Tuesday morning. Yeah. Said, do you want to buy it back? What? 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 It's the first time that's ever happened. And he said he sat on it, he had an epiphany that night, and he decided that he couldn't ride a bike ever again. <clears throat> what? I don't care. That's your story. No backsies. Yeah. But yeah. unfortunately, the money he had given me, yeah. I'd already given to you. Right. Hey! <laughs> and so, once, yeah. Dude. And so I had no, I mean, I, could, I would have bought it right back from him, because I, I, that bike was perfectly And fine. the way my shop runs, dollars check in, but they don't yeah. check out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Phil has my money, and you can't get it back. Yeah, Yeah. so I felt sorry. The guy was a super nice guy. He's a super nice guy. I mean, there was no... I mean, he was... No, he was sorry for him that he just, you know, something snaps in you and you can't ride. It could be something snaps, or it could just be buyer's remorse. Because a lot of times, people make a five, dollars $6,000 purchase, whatever. And even if it's something they would have, could have, should have loved, they just can't accept the fact they spent that much money. And that's the buyer's remorse. And that hits us every day at the shop. Every single day, we have the people that are like, I put a deposit down, and a, 12 hours later, I need my deposit back. And that's why we say deposits are deposits. Look the word up in the dictionary. It's a fucking deposit. <laughs> if you back out, it's, a contract, it's a contract to buy. And if you back out and violate that contract, then we are retaining your funds. Uh, and that's what a deposit is. Go to, go to Value City Furniture and try some layaway. If you don't know how it works, right. that's what it is. Go not pay it off on layaway and see how much your money you get back. But I'm still loving the mana. Well, yeah, right? <laughs> so, I have no buyers. I have, the, I have yeah. the GV bags on the mana. And aside that. from the yeah. fact they're backwards, that's just the way they work. Later, we're going to look at it and we're going to noodle it out. But I think it's just the way it is. The uh, mana, because of the curvature of the bike, it runs very specific bags due to its curvy nature. So you can't just use any mana key bags. You have to use specific mana key bags or monokey bags, which are particular to a certain few motorcycles. But it does clear the exhaust beautifully. There's no interaction with the exhaust. They're 35... Yeah, you have a... They're very big. They're very big. They're 35 liters. I had ordered in some 22 liters that were monokey. They're called the Cruiser Series. They're very inexpensive, and they're small. They're very nice-looking, but they're the standard monokey mount, and they will not mount on the very curvy monokey mounts that are on the mana, or mana. Um, So... how many miles do you have in your mana so far? 500. 500? Yeah. But I've been riding. It's been raining so much. It's been much. raining it's all been, the time, yeah. So I've been going back and forth between the RTP and the mana, so. Yeah. But I love that bike. I do, too. And I've figured out some tricks. I've already increased my mileage by five miles per gallon. To 48.1. How so. did you get five more miles per <laughs> gallon out of it? So when you ride in the city, yeah. if you use sport gear, yeah. you get much better gas mileage. Really? But as soon as you get above 55 miles an hour, if you go Switch into touring, touring yeah. it, uh, it, the seventh gear yeah. is not really the highest gear it can be in. Oh, really? Touring puts you in a higher gear. I did notice you, that. You're, yeah. uh, when you're at 60, right. you must squeeze down. There must be like an eighth. You know, yeah, like an eighth gear. A, right. a touring gear. Yeah. Grand touring gear, yeah. So um, wow. it's, been, it's been fantastic. I can get about 200 miles 
they're about 200 mile range yeah. on it. Yeah. So that seems that's perfectly fine. I'm driving it really aggressively and I'm kind of feeling it out. I've never had a bike that's better for learning how to trail brake on. I've been doing the brake light in the turns uh, thing. I've been, you know, really focusing on my braking technique because I can now. I'm not at all concerned with engine drag or, uh, you know, clutch operation or what gear I'm in in the turn. I'm just stuffing it into the corners. And that Abbey Street exit coming off of 90 going towards Porco is a very. <laughs> 15 mile an hour turn and I can I can hang that thing at like 45 miles an hour front end in and just right down like I would have no problem knee on the pavement with that bike it's so good and I still have the suspension pretty soft I'm still you know I'm not tightening it up a lot and uh 127 miles an hour is my best speed so far and you know how conservative I am yeah and I've had I've gone up to 105 wow yeah that's really fast for me but the only reason I did that, I wanted to go faster. Right. But I figured it's still in the break, and so yeah. it's at 600 miles. Right. I'll go faster than that. But uh, Yeah, and I did it. Um, boy, the windshield's really good. When you're behind that windshield, there's nothing hitting you. Right. There's not that. Yeah. Um, like on the NC, there was a high-frequency like uh, chatter in yeah. your uh, face mask. Okay. But this one has nothing. Now, this is a really good windshield. Clean. Yeah. you got yeah. a clean airflow over yeah. you. And Very impressed with it. I mean, this is kind of a long-term review for both of us on a weird fucking motorcycle. I mean, this is as weird as it gets. This is a this is a fucked up techno weirdo bike. I really love it. You, you know <laughs> what I liked it the most? I was uh, I had to go into Lorraine. Yeah. I never go into Lorraine, and I was hunting for streets. And yeah. I couldn't. You know, I didn't want all this. You know, all this other sensory input, and I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to think about anything. Right. I just hunt for my streets. Yeah. Focus on the ride. But man, passing, I I don't even know why I ride another bike. For passing, that bike is <laughs> it's instantaneous. Good. It's, it's the fastest passing bike ever. I've ever had. Ever. As soon as you think, I'm going to pass this guy, you're already passing him. Because there is no delay of downshifting. There's no delay of anything. It's just go. And if you're a concealed carry fucking whack job, this is the perfect concealed carry bike. As long as you're left-handed. Well, I'm left-handed. Yeah, Dude, I can engage. I could just like, I'm having visions of like Red Rider, like the old cowboy days, Lone Ranger shooting off his horse, you know, shooting from the saddle because I'm sitting there going, I could put anything in that trunk. The trunk is literally where the gas tank should be. I have an electronic button to press to open the trunk. Which is superior to the hand. Which too, works. Key, take the key out. Exactly. And, you know, going down the freeway, pulling the clutch, take the key I've out pulled, as you're gliding yeah. along to open your trunk. I've pulled my iPhone out of the trunk and put it on the charger while I was going 75, 80 miles an hour because you can. It's engineered to let you do that. Plus it opens the right <laughs> way. It opens the right way. Yeah, way. so you can reach right in and nothing, all the shit doesn't blow out of the trunk because I have so much shit in there. But I was already like, Think about it. You could just like press the button, reach in, grab your gun, and defend yourself from the hordes of terrorists, you know, while never slowing down. You could bring that bike all the way down to a stop and never put your pistol away. Yeah. You sorry, you thought I had to let go of my gun to change gears? Oh no, you're wrong. Uh-uh. We're just gonna fire from the saddle. It's just. I mean, it's silly, but plus the saddle's super comfortable. I mean, even from the, distance, I've, I love hard the foot. Saddles, the foot so. position's right. The hand position's right. It's really an amazing motorcycle. And, you know, there's a lot of bikes I could ride right now. And the fun, fucking funny thing is that's the bike I've been riding. And that's kind of weird, you know. And that's the one that I'm, it's putting a smile on my face. And, <laughs> and it also doesn't suck that I can go to work like four times on one tank of gas. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. The, uh, it's, it's just, it's kind of funky. 
The, uh, the other thing that's motorcycle related that I wanted to talk about, there's a, I mean, right now in the world of vintage motorcycles, the market is flatter and deader than I have ever seen it. I cannot it believe is. how little money people are selling vintage motorcycles for right now. It's just wacky. If you've got a grand and you want to buy an old bike and you're willing to work on it, holy shit, there's some good deals out there. Well, I got a good deal this week. What'd you get? As long as you're not in mid-Ohio. Right, well, <laughs> yeah, that turned out to be a bust, yeah. yeah that was actually, although I better not talk about it. Well, go like, ahead. No, I, I can't because I have to wait until it's actually... Oh, until it's in your garage? Yeah. It hasn't happened. Yet. Oh, boy. No, I mean, there's, a certain, there's, a little, there's a few things with that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the deal that I got this... Um, what year do you think it was that the... What year do you think it was the Bandit came out? Was that like 96 or 95? 95. Uh, which Bandit? The 1200. Oh, the uh, 1200 95. Like 95, right? Yeah. Like so that. what came into my shop was a 94 GSX 1100. It's okay. the one-year predecessor to the Bandit. So it's liquid-cooled, and instead of chain drive, it has shaft drive. And it's 1100 instead of a 1200. But in a lot of the other ways, it's a Bandit. And it's got a big, chunky back tire on it, and it's a proper sport-ish bike. <laughs> And it came into the shop a few months ago, having, you know, not run in 10, 15 years. And this is the one where the guy put it in his trailer on bungee cords. So when it arrived at my shop, the shit was laying on its side in a pool of its own gas and oil. Well, we, I went through it and I, I smothered the motor in kerosene and let it sit in the motor for a week or two. Drained all the kerosene out of it, ran some more kerosene through it. And I wasn't even concerned about carburetors at this point. I just want to check for compression across four cylinders. Because I'm not going to dive into this guy's carburetors if he's got stuck rings or stuck valves or something like that. So I went ahead and I did a compression check on it. And it was all really good. I mean, it was close enough. I was like, ooh, that's, that's a good sign. So I, it's weird when customers don't call. Like, most customers call way too much. They think that I've fixed their motorcycle and I'm just riding it around having fun and I don't want to call them. Uh, I really want to keep your bike from you for some strange fucking weird you have so much room fetishy reason right yeah trust me I have no room if I can get rid of this shit I can hell if Dustin has nothing better to do tomorrow he can come to work because <laughs> I am short fucking I mean we've got so many bikes in the service department it's retarded but uh, Andrea's working all day if not oh good. man she's working till four so bring Maya she can clean rims <laughs> man, that's Maya, true. Maya, we'll have Maya doing oil changes by the end of the day. The you know, uh, you know what? If you pay her, I'll pay her. She will oh, yeah. be like there with bells on. I'll pay her. She can she can detail all that, the bikes in the showroom. That girl likes making money. She does. Good for her. That's a good. You know what? That's a good instinct. Mm-hmm. It's nice when they're when they're young and they already have that kind of. Well, they already I mean, kind of have that drive. She makes money for feeding the cats. Yeah, she, yeah. You know, she makes money for doing various things around the hey, house. Man. So. The offer's open, but. The, uh, it's funny. So the guy didn't call the guy didn't call at all. So I called him up and I was like, Hey man, you know, what are we doing here? And he's like, well, I, I kind of, I got some problems and uh, money, 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 problem, problem. I was like, Oh, this is bad. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, we're not even into the game yet. And you're already having money problems. How are you going to pay me when I'm done? If you can't pay me when I just started. And he's like, well, he goes, be honest with me. How many, how much money do you have in it so far? And I'm like, realistically, I got about three hours into the bike. We went all through it. I put a brand new battery in it, so we had something to start with. I said, I cleaned up a lot of stuff. It's for safe operation. 
Your oil filter was literally oil bogged, so I bought you new. Our air filter was oil bogged, so I bought you new oil filter. Our air filter, I bought you new oil filter. We put new oil in it. I said, realistically, you're on the hook to me for about four hundred bucks. And he's like, how about if I just bring you the title? <laughs> I don't need to tell you, man. <laughs> Things are tough these days. I mean, how tough is it that you ah, that you're gonna that you're gonna walk away? Like, how bad are times when you're just going to walk away? Well, they're getting worse. When you can't pay a $400 getting started service bill, wow, holy shit, man. So it's like, I don't really need a GSX or GS1100F, but I got one. Yeah, there's there's one that just walked into my life. So, yeah, it's really, uh, that's really tough. It's, it's strange. I've never seen that kind of behavior before. See, you own that bike now. <laughs> yeah, I do now, right? Yeah, so. The trade offers are good, too. On, I mean, I just like putting or trade, or trade into the ad just to see what you get. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I've had, I've had some offers for everything. Yeah. Anything you could think of and everything you could think of. <laughs> really? Guns. And especially guns. Yeah, people guns like especially. Yeah. Guns yeah, people do like trading away guns. They do. Uh, guns are one of those things that a lot of people have always believed. That, that concerns me because I would, I would I would wonder about somebody that wants to trade away a gun. Like, why do you want to get rid of it? Well, because guns to a lot of people are a bank account that doesn't depreciate, and it's a bank account that's not so liquid you can spend it down real fast. And if I really you got to check that gun out, well, like more than I want, would want to check the motorcycle. You can, and you can very easily call the sheriff's department or call whatever and say I'm considering purchasing a gun. Here's the serial number, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll tell you. Yeah, just you make know? sure it wasn't using a murder. They'll run the gun, and if the run if the gun runs clean, then go ahead. And you know, for a lot of people, um, having a gun that doesn't have a paper trail behind it is, is an advantage to some folks. They don't want a gun that you know you have to go to the shop mm-hmm. and buy and have a you know a slip and have to have it registered and everything else. So a lot of people do use guns, and they have a closet full of guns that they use as liquid capital. And in that case, you can probably do really well. Mm-hmm. Trading a, trading a motorcycle for a gun if guns are your thing. Because it is... The one thing I will tell you is when guns are traded, they're traded well under value. They're really, really traded under value. And that's like... That is the one part about it is if you're willing to embark on that kind of a deal, that's better than trading for a boat. You know? Well, yeah, you can trade... Just you can do a little homework first and know what you're getting into. Just like... Because there's, right. there's... Just like trading anything, really. There's a ton of people out there right now that... Oh, I got this, you know... Right. What's the hot thing right now? I don't know. I'm not even in the guns anymore. ARs. Oh, AR, AR, yeah. AR, AR. AR. Yeah, ARs you know, are kind of bananas right now. Everybody's got a sporter that they're wanting. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a 1500... No, I'm sorry. It's oh, but... Yeah, and everybody who has a sporter, it's the same Harley syndrome... <laughs> if, if they own a Harley, they think it's worth twenty grand, yeah. and if they own an AR fifteen, they think it's worth four grand. And realistically, they're not, and exactly. neither are the Harleys. I had a guy come into the shop today with a two thousand and six Harley Davidson Sportster eight eighty three custom <laughs> that he'd put a Mustang seat on it, and he said that his friend, who's a broker and buys and sells things and auctions things and everything else, said that bike was worth seven grand, and I said. It has a carburetor. He's not, lucky. not in this universe. And I said, it has a carburetor. So I said, well, do me a favor. I said, he's an older guy, and he wants to trade it in towards an Enfield. And uh, I said, well, here, before we do this, let's play the game. I love playing let's make a deal with people. So I'm like, let's, let's make a deal. Would you prefer that I use Kelly Blue Book or Nada? I said, now, with Nada, I can put in all your accessories. With Kelly, I can't. Mm-hmm. So let's give you the benefit of the doubt. You might want to think that your accessories are worth something. 
So let's do it. And so we played the game, the NADA game with his bike. His bike NADA trade-in value was $2,600. He goes, I spent $8,700 on it brand new. I said, yeah, you did. You you did. Yeah, Yes. Absolutely. And, and nine years ago when you made that purchase, that's what you paid. NADA says that the retail p- price on that bike was $8,100. You paid $8,100 for an 883 Sportster plus tax and title in 2006. And you put a Mustang seat on it. And it needs a battery and probably a rear tire. And no matter what you do to the bike, right. how you customize it, it doesn't, it, matter. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't difference. make any damn difference it's whatsoever. It's your customization. Right. It's not the guy you're selling it to. So he was like, well, when I bring it by and take a look at it, what's the most you'll give me? And I said, I just showed you that for a reason. That's the most I'll give you. He goes, well, that's ridiculous. I said, I know. And that's why you should sell it. And then bring the green stuff, that money, to me and buy the motorcycle you looked at just now using your money. Plus, then it's you won't. You bought an 883. Well, yeah, people do buy them. Yeah, people buy them, and there's there's reasons that people buy them. He wanted a Harley, but he was older, and he didn't want the weight associated with the Harley. But he did like the look of it. Yeah, you know. Well, the 1200 sports aren't that bad. Well, I mean, this is an 883. Yeah. 883 and the 1200 are the same. It's the yeah. same bike. That's you buy the 1200. Saying. If anything, the 883 is heavier because it's got an extra quarter inch of cylinder line. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the difference. I mean, you can literally bore the. Cylinder. It's jugs. Yeah, it's just jugs. And so I kind of that like so <clears throat> that is a thing that if you are thinking about trading your motorcycle in right now, mm-hmm. this would be a great time to make sure you're really aware of what your motorcycle is worth before you get really sticker shocked at the dealer and if you think you've got a bike that's worth more money then you should sell it on your own you should sell it on ebay or craigslist or whatever because obviously right now the values on motorcycles are super duper low well, they a good time really to buy. are Used. it's a great time to buy it is a fantastic it's not time, a good to buy. time to sell uh-huh. just like it steel really prices don't try to scrap any steel it's 90 bucks a ton what are you shitting me? No, it's not. So I'm going to ruin the springs of my truck for $90. Yep. I'm going to load up my truck with steel, take it down to the scrapyard, and get $90? It's going to be 100 bucks for a whole car. Wow. Wow. Man, so that's it's something. It's not worth it anymore. It's not worth yeah, it anymore. Not, yeah. We're, I mean, they're not losing any money no. because it's, the scrappers are losing money. Right. So. The scrappers are losing money. And it's, it's tough, too. They were talking about the world economy and how we used to sell so much steel and so much cardboard and stuff to China, and now they're just not buying it anymore. You know, the price, or they're buying it, but the price is so low that it's not worth us to profit on it anymore. Well, if you saw how much cardboard comes into the Overland or the Lorraine County landfill, oh, really? You'd see how much they're recycling it. You'd cry. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not worth it. They yeah. tell you they're recycling yeah. it, you go through all this thing to recycle all your cardboard, yeah. and it goes to the landfill. But their grading so. standards are so high, if it's not exactly what they want, they're just going to landfill it. Right. So well, that's you're not getting any money for right. it. Right. Yeah. So. so might as well landfill it. It's more trouble than it's worth. The Eco Podcast. The uh... <laughs> It used to be profitable to scrap stuff, but now it's all Greek. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Profit on scrap? That's Greek to me. The uh the Dustin, what did you do to your DRZ? You changed the gearing, didn't you? Where'd he go? Dustin. Oh, he's out in the back taking a slash. All right. <laughs> he's the back. So, what'd you do to your what did you do to your DRZ? Because you did you fixed <laughs> you fixed the electrical leakage. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Because uh, it had rectifier leakage. I mean, rectum uh, fryer leakage. It had a bad stator. Okay, bad stator. Uh, the stator was bad. The rectifier was okay. Okay. Uh, the battery was bad. All right. So, uh, you know, I, I actually ended up buying a whole new charging system for it. Good. 
I replaced everything. Yeah. Um, but you changed the sprockets too. I did. I did. I did. Uh, the previous owner had a, a 38 rear sprocket on it. Right. Which, which was okay. Yeah. But, it, man, it, it left me with some weird gear changings. Okay. Just in commuting. They just weren't where you wanted them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like when you wanted to be at 40 miles an hour, you yeah. wanted to be either up a gear or down a gear. Okay. All right. You know, and you just couldn't find a happy spot. All right. So I went back to the 41 tooth sprocket on the back. Oh, okay. And uh, it's way better. And now. what did you have to do to your chain? Nothing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Same chain. Same chain. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fucking convenient. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, that's a pretty damned easy swap right there. Yeah, same chain. Oh, it's, that's it's, it's, it's in really tight. I was going to say, it's, but you know what? It's in so tight now, you have the maximum amount of wear available to you. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I thought. You know, You're when, nowhere near running out the end of the adjusters. I, I, I put it on, and I was like, I'll do the same chain to see right. what happens. And I, I ended up tuning the, uh, the chain way in. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah it looks pretty good. That's cool. And, and so now the gears are right where you want them? The gears are fantastic. And that's the right stock now. gearing. Yeah, stock gearing. Wow, is, yeah. it's absolutely fantastic right now. Well, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, yeah, and and actually, fifth gear is still overdrive. Well, you were saying when you rode down to Mid Ohio, which is about a one and a half hour, two hour ride. Yeah, that you said that it was feel it felt great. Yeah, yeah. and that that was after I changed the gearing. Yeah, so that's a good test. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, it felt fantastic going down there. Actually, um, we got on the highway. We got uh, we were taking back roads down there. Sure. And the funny thing is, like most of the back roads down to Mid Ohio are fifty five, sixty. Okay, good. Yeah. Even better. Yeah, sixty miles an hour. So it's like you're you're on the highway basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we were on uh, twenty two, and then twenty two <clears throat> uh, had a detour. Uh-huh. And we followed the detour signs because we're like, oh, we don't know where the fuck where we're going. Right. All we knew is we were following twenty two, so let's follow the detour signs. That put us on seventy one. Oh, okay. So we were on yeah. 71 for about 15, 20 miles or so. Sure, yeah. And uh, Tim Page. And that's kind of the us. fastest part of 71 right there. It's exactly. wide open yeah, and it's downhill. miles an hour. Yeah. But uh, Tim Page needed gas. Mm. So his solution to needing gas was, I'm going to punch my motorcycle to as fast as it will go to get to the next gas stop. That's one way to address the situation. Right. But so, he rides a Honda Hawk. Right. So when you switch to reserve on a Hawk, you'd better be seeing a gas station. <laughs> There's yeah. no reserve on those bikes. So he yeah. stabbed it, yeah. and then Chris Smith goes, okay, and stabbed so it So he stabbed too. it, too. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm third man in line, so I guess I'll stab it as well. Okay, yeah. So at about 85 miles per hour, yeah. I got to the point where I was like, I'm no longer comfortable. Yeah, this has no longer become fun. This is no longer a comfortable cruising speed for this motorcycle. So I started dropping back, and actually, 75 miles per hour was a very comfortable cruising speed for a DRZ 400. And, well, when you think about it, okay, with this gearing, it's going to be loads of fun on the street. Yeah. Loads of fun. And it's going to keep you from getting high-speed tickets out on the hardball. Which actually is a pretty goddamn good way for a bike to be set up. It'll make easier wheelies. It'll make really yeah. easy wheelies. <laughs> <laughs> I was amazed though, like I was I was pegging the thing and yeah. I, I had room to go. At eighty five miles an hour, I was like, I could still go faster. That's a happy motor. Uh, but I was just like, you know what? I'm, Why do you need to? I'm like, yeah. I'm kinda no longer comfortable with this. Yeah. I really don't need to be going this fast. Yeah. So I dropped back to seventy five, I let Chris and uh, Tim get ahead of me. 
And I was very comfortable at 75 miles an yeah. hour. And I'm like, I'm on a 400 single. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like cruising at 75 miles yeah. an hour. Perfect. I'm totally happy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is, I mean, I was one handed. Yep. I was I had one hand on my leg, yep. just resting. Do, do, yeah. do. I'm cruising. Just hammering down. Yeah, it's like we, I had the same great. experience with uh, you know the new Royal Enfield Continental GT comes from the factory with you know the catalytic converter and the emissions and everything else and it's it's pretty neutered it's pretty bad so they did a Dynajet kit for it they actually you know they did a Dyno kit for it that's really nice that comes with a new ECU and all the connectors that are just plug and play and it comes with a plug for your uh, Lambda sensor plug out your Lambda sensor. And then they uh, they have a couple of different exhausts that they recommend. The one that I found works the best is there's a little a new exhaust from Emgo that they call the Cafe Racer exhaust, and it's a beautiful reverse megaphone. Comes in flat black, which looks really sexy, or chrome. And I did that kit, so I did the the full kit, which the full kit including the pipe is under six hundred bucks, and that's cheap money considering <clears throat> the power you're getting. And they claim Enfield claims that. It's 25% more power. Now, that's crazy talk for something that's 600 bucks. But when, but when you think about how neutered the bike is from the factory, 25% really is pretty moderate. And it is. It's so much better. And I rode the bike today in its new reborn state. And it's a totally different bike. And I can go down the road 75, 80 miles an hour at a comfortable cruise... And just for fun, I wicked it up to about 100, and I got the GPS to say about 102, 104, and it was not running out of steam. It was still there for me. And I was really impressed. They got that kit nailed. And that's the 535. It's the big piston kit anyway. That's the way it comes from the factory. It comes with the taller gearing from the factory. It really was dead solid at that speed. And I still think the rear suspension's a little hard. I, I just don't like the bike set up that firm. I don't like to hit an expansion joint on the freeway and feel like there's air under me. I feel like your spine's getting forced <laughs> yeah, through yeah. the skull. Yeah, I don't, I don't like every fucking expansion joint to feel like it's a whoop to you or, you know, a double. And the, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, at what point do the wings deploy? Because <laughs> I've got, I've achieved launch speed. Clearly, I've achieved launch speed. Now, at any moment, I've become a different kind of vehicle. And uh, it was it was cool. It was a good time, and I I really brought it back. And I had a smile on my face. I was like, "This is fucking fun, man!" For fifty nine ninety nine plus six hundred dollars worth of tuning parts, man, it's a cool bike, you know. For and it's a bike you can do everything yourself on. You know, there's nothing weird about it. You don't they don't have fifteen computers you got to battle with. Almost thirty miles on that one today. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, they're fun bikes. I mean, and they're human sized, which is weird because the the regular C fives. And stuff feel like I when I see my reflection in a mirror, I'm like, oh, who stole that kid's bike? You know, it looks to me like a 75 percent scale motorcycle. The GTs, yeah. I mean, I'm a big person, and I can ride the bike, and I feel like I'm comfortable. Six ish, six one, whatever, and like my knees are actually under the tank. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's even. It feels. It feels big compared to my V7. Yeah, I think it is. I think that the cut of the bike, the way the Harris frame is. That feather bed frame makes the bike a little bit bigger, and it does really feel good. And it, it, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, you know, I should say with the, uh, the on, on the DRZ, one of the happy things I did uh, was when I first got the charging system in <laughs> yeah. for the bike. I mean, it, it was a beautiful day, right? And I was like, I want to go ride this bike. I'm going to go ride this bike. Yeah. 
so I just slapped everything together. I twisted the leaves together for the regulator rectifier. Just for testing purposes. Yeah. I heat shrink tubed them. I was like, yeah, "Eh, that'll be good. Yeah. And the battery took a shit on me uh, a couple days later. Okay, yeah. So I was I was perplexed. I was like, fuck, same thing happened. Right. So I decided to like deduce what I did to the bike. Sure. I'm like, let me just go back through my work right. and, and double check it. And uh where the connector goes into the harness, yeah. I, I went to go to the wires on there and they just fell off. Oh, so in the connector. Yeah. In the in the Molex. Yeah. It was, in the connector yeah. they just boop. They yeah. just fell off. So yeah. I, was, I was like, okay, operator error. And then, and that is the thing, too, with a lot of bikes that have a lot of connectors. It's easier with these factories to build bikes that have a lot of connectors in them. It makes their time a lot you know, faster building the bikes. But they're weak points. But it is a weak point in the system. And you but push they a... do have a thing with the DRZ yeah. that they call the free power mod. Ooh, tell me more. I like <laughs> free power. So uh, <clears throat> I wanted to do the free power mod, but like I said, I was excited to get the bike back on the road. So right. I slapped everything together and I took off. Yeah. So when I realized that my uh, my uh, hookup that I did to the connector was not good, right? I'm like, you know, I gotta fucking resolder all this. Yeah. I I need to do it right. I need to solder it. I'm doing the free power mod. Sure. So I get all my wire out. I set up a soldering station. Yep. <clears throat> I soldered together a whole new harness. Okay. Uh, f- from the regulator rectifier to the battery. Okay. And I bypassed. Where it goes into the connector on the harness, and right. I went straight to the battery. Okay. With the ground and the power lead. Okay, yeah. And now the bike charges at idle. Really? 14.5. Nice. Wow. No 14.5 at, it's just, you hit the start. It's just at tick it's, it's, it's right charging up. right away. Yeah, it, it won't even go higher. You rev the throttle. And it's, it's still like, staying it's at 14 like, and Yeah, half. it's like, nah, nah. So it's like perfect regulation. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, you're at the highest. That's really go. cool. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, you know, driving down to mid-Ohio right. uh, on, you know, last Saturday. And if you were ever going to have a problem, like, overcharging it, a two-hour <laughs> drive will tell you. Yeah. yeah that, that was, like, to me, that was, like, the, that's a the, the deal sealer. That is a deal sealer. That's genius. Yeah. That's Because really I cool. figured I was with uh, Tim Page. And yeah. I, was, I was with Chris Smith. I'm like, hey, if I break down, fuck it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I figured I would just find a bar and wait for you. Yep. Well, that guy we just talked about. <laughs> not a bad logic point. Because you were, you were coming down later than us. You were coming down the same route. So right. I was like... And I'm bringing a bus. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Right. I'm like, Phil, have the bus. We can load the bike on it. If I break down, I'll find a bar and I'll just wait there for him. I can't tell you how much fun the bus was on the podcast and, the, and on the whole Mid-Ohio trip. shit. The bus was hilarious. First of all, we the did bus learn... The was a, a, an idiot trap. It was an idiot trap. <laughs> it really oh, was. It was like yeah. a big crab trap. Like where the crabs could, the idiots could get in, but they couldn't seem to get out. Oh, yeah. And they were exiting onto the roof. And at one point, I looked oh, up yeah. on the roof, and we had twelve people on the roof of the bus, which is slippery, slippery as fuck. Oh man, I lit up a bottle rocket, and it fell into the bus and blew up in the bus. I felt so bad, but I was the, there. Was that the first time the sheriff was there? The well, you know, so I was standing outside with, <laughs> I was standing outside <laughs> the with. The sheriff uh, was great. He comes and tells me to stop lighting up fireworks. I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> And then the, I hear uh, Phil going like, "Sir, sir, this is my, that's bus. my bus. Please, please, you cannot go. step foot on that bus." <laughs> I have rights, and I will fucking use them. And you, are, if you're wearing a badge, you are not allowed to go in my bus. Period. I did not invite you in there. You're gonna have to show real fucking probable cause to get I'm in. Sorry, there. but there were a lot of people or on boobs, that bus depending. that did not see your badge. <laughs> right. Well, that did not see. You know. 
he just can't creep up and walk into my just bus. Badge and I badge. saw him. Yeah. But the girl showing her boobs can't. Well, uh, yeah, but I saw him creeping up towards my bus. I was having a conversation with Mecklefresh down in the dirt. And I was like, watch this fucking cop. This fucking cop is going to try to get on my bus. He's being all sneaky. Like, he was being all, like, he parked his quad over there and he'd sidled around. He was going to find out he was lighting off the big boomer. Sidled up. He did. He was all super stealthy. But I saw him and I was like, watch this cop. And, and he and he kind of moved up to the bus doors very slowly and he kept looking, kept looking, kept looking. There was nothing that was going on that he needed to be worried about. And I yeah, saw he was, him, he was talking to me. Well, I saw him poke his head in and I was just like, man, you cannot go in there. Close the door. Oh, yeah. Well, I just I went up and tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, you got to step away from there. I'm like, you can't go in there. That's not you're not allowed to go in there. That's my private property. That's my vehicle. And I did not consent for a search. And he, he was like. Oh, okay, there's no problem. There's no problem. There's no... I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go in there. Yeah, sure you weren't. You were going to go in as far as you could go until somebody told you you couldn't. Because that's what you do. You are sneaky. You're wearing your sneaky... You're wearing your sneaky uniform. I can't believe I fucking rode my bike down there. Well, the funny thing was I had... I rode down there. I was like, where did I do this? Oh, man. Johnny Johnny Chrome. Did a fucking no, giant Mac. fucking burnout. Yeah, yeah. I had a bag of my, M- my fucking rear wheels fucked up from that. Burnout. Oh well, yeah. I think there were a thousand burnouts that happened in there. They're doing burnout. I stopped. Yeah. They, had, they had a law, uh, a two by four or something, or two by six that they were trying to burn through. Oh, so they had they were having everyone do burnouts. I like the it. gasoline burnouts with fires because it looks better. You know, the the yeah. fireworks the way all well, the way around I, the tire. Yeah. I got into a second gear burnout and I was trying to go for third. Yeah, but they were holding your. There were too many fucking hillbillies holding my they, bike back. That's <laughs> I, tried, I couldn't get to my fucking uh, th- uh, clutch. Johnny Mecklefresh. Hey, hey. the uh, oh, hey, it's actually time to shut down. Yeah. yeah the, the funny thing is, I would rather do a burnout with no help whatsoever. Because at least then I'm in control, you know. When yeah, other people pulled, are involved, I pulled up and like a weird. bunch of fucking hillbillies grabbed onto me. I'm yeah. like, get the fuck away from me! Well, I think those were Louisvillians. They yeah. were, and, and and you know what, the Louisvillians. Oh man, I love Lord, if you could have a motorcycle club, why wouldn't it be called the Louisvillians? <laughs> Come on, that's the way they pronounce it anyway, Louisville. Yeah, the, where do you live, Louisville? I did a burnout, and uh, I was just hanging on to it. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, what's your name? John McFresh from Cleveland. Ah, <laughs> it's just a conversation, man. Ah, 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 yeah. They're like, no, you fucking head pipes, cherry red. Stop, stop. No, it's a KLR. They're supposed to be red. It'll be okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, That's good. stainless. That's what it does. I shut it down. <laughs> I look down at the cigarette off of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what their whole deal was. They wanted to light a cigarette off the head pipes. But, like, I've been on my KLR at even freeway speeds. And looked down and been like, they're red. It's just normal. I mean, it's made, it's made to get red. It's liquid cool. I was looking at the temperature gauge. It's fine. Yeah. They're, those pipes are they're engineered to get red. I mean, that's not, that's not surprising. So, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise. If you've seen a BB500, revving it up on the center stand, it's white hot. It's white hot. Yeah, it's terrifying how glowing. how glowing those pipes can get. But that's what they do. I've never had one pop. You know, that's kind of how they're engineered to be. So, uh, real quick, we're at the end of the podcast. There is some there is some new shit out there. Because, you know, every time a bell rings and the angel gets its wings and somebody else builds a fucking scrambler. <laughs> well, Moto Guzzi's officially got oh, to the game. Oh, fuck, really? Yes. Woo-hoo. Oh, God, there's a Guzzi scrambler. There's a Guzzi scrambler. God, with a kick, fuck, oh, with an off. Oh. Well, here's how it works. So... 
what we're doing or what. I would actually buy that scrambler. Well, hold it. You're, you'll have a chance to. And I'm sure you all get a chance to ride it. But how the system works is rather than, you know, reinventing the wheel, so to speak, what they're doing is for this year for the V7 Mark IIs, which have the traction control and the ABS, <clears throat> they are providing the dealer at substantial discount the kit. So all of the specials, which are the ones with the wire spoke wheels and have the stripes on the gas tank, the specials will now for the United States market be sold as scramblers. And so when the dealer orders a special, automatically with the special will come the scrambler kit. So now, you get, you the dealer... All, you get all their original stuff. Yeah, the dealer gets to retain... Now, that's the incentive because there's fucking no money in it for the dealer. Right. Because I've looked at, I looked at the price breakdown. If you want to lose some money real fast, sell a scrambler. Okay? But because they're keeping the price of the scrambler under eleven grand. So, which the old way of buying the parts a la carte and building your own scrambler on the back of a $9,000 motorcycle would have you close to twelve grand. Okay? Because that's just what the parts cost. So they're building the parts together in a kit. And the incentive to the dealer to make you do this is that you get to retain the factory takeoff parts. Now, it doesn't come with tires because they obviously want this customer to be able to choose their own tires because who knows what the fuck you're going to want. They do give some tire recommendations. They do have some tires they'll sell you at a discount. But honestly... The customer should be choosing their own tires, especially with something as personal as a scrambler. Depending on how much you're really going to ride it in the dirt, you should choose your tires accordingly. I want big knobblies. Well, you can, and that's fine, but let the customer... I would never want to ride a fucking Gucci in the dirt. Well, I would ride it in the dirt better than I would ride a goddamn Triumph in the dirt. Because it's a fucking fucking hundred and some yeah, pounds lighter, two thirds the weight, and it the has train, this much that, more ground clearance. Yeah, yeah, the tram scrambler was fucking, and this harder. much more wheel travel. You know, yeah. and so there's a different fender. There's there's a lot of cool parts that are in the kit, and it's they're when they're tarted up. We'll put some pictures in the show notes. But when they, <laughs> dude, when they are made to look like a scrambler, they're really fucking pretty. I mean, they are. She looks like a little whore. They look like they should look. It looks like what a scrambler should be, which is the old desert sleds from the 70s, and that's exactly what it looks like. It doesn't look like the two Ducati, a, which two is... Two two or two into one? Or? It's two into one on the right-hand side. Yeah, okay. It's pretty sexy. It's a high pipe. Uh, they're going to they're gonna give you the arrow as part of the kit, but I still might recommend going with the Aggo because I think the Aggo just looks sexier and certainly will be louder. But, uh, yeah, anyway... So, that's the deal. So, yet another fucking scrambler. Um, or is it like, just in time for the trend to be over? <laughs> that's it. So, I've ordered... Ready I, go Gucci. I ordered two of them today, so at least we'll have them there. And But what I do like about the kit is, the, I like the way they're doing it. Because then, as a dealership, I can decide whether to kit the specials that I ordered to get to be part of the scrambler program or maybe not kit the specials. Maybe my customer wants mags instead of spokes. Will it work on... It works on all of them. So the uh, version one, it works on the version one? Pipes, side panels that are aluminium Mm -hmm. so they don't problem with the heat. Mm -hmm. Um, A number plate with a little cool little off-road visor on it, like a little off-road style visor on the number plate on the front. Uh, Obviously the high pipes, different pegs and different levers which are more dirt-oriented. Uh, that's pretty much the kit. I see. I don't think so. The seat's just a standard bench seat, which the be- seat that's on it is kind of right. a 70s seat anyway. No Your question about will it work with the Mark 1s, they're going to be a separate kit for that. So right now the kit that's shipping is for the Mark 2s. Now, 
what I like about this whole kit is then I can, if you're a guy that wants the scrambler, but you're one of those guys, because remember, the best way for me to not sell you something is show you that it's there. And so if I show you it's there and you go, but I really wanted to mag wheels. Okay, great. We'll just put it on a fucking stone, you know, and mission accomplished. Now you got your mag wheels. The pricing's all going to be the same and you're happy. You got mag wheels. Done. We don't have to take the wheels off of another bike and go through the labor of changing wheels. We can literally just change bikes because we can throw it all together on a stone. And you know there's going to be people that are like, but I want a flat black one. I don't want a blue yeah. one or a red one. Well, guess what? You can fucking do that now. I think it's a really good program because it gives you the flexibility of not just one color choice or two color choices. There's now literally 11 color choices and mags or alloys or mags or spokes, you can have it any fucking way you want it. Because that's the nice thing about V7s being Lego motorcycles. They're very modular. Totally modular. Yes. Yeah, they're just crazy. The kid, uh, kid, the man that bought a V7 special off of us that's red and white like Chris Smith's, he came into the shop today and he has systematically made that bike into like the Dr. Moreau Isle of Mutant V7s because it's like a, it's got the brown leather strap from the Cafe Racer. It's got the alloy side panels off the Racer. It's like he's really all over the place with it. And he's did the fender eliminator kit and he's got the flat black rear fender off the stone. So like he's really he's really made some changes to his bike. And they've got chrome fenders now. You can order in chrome fenders if you want to go with the full retro look. It's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's I think it's overloading the scrambler market already. But at least it's light. At least it has the ground clearance where you can really drive it in the dirt. Lord knows the French guys and all the people that did the V7 scramblers they built themselves. Lord, there's videos of those things seven feet in the air. Yeah, so they do work better in the actual off-road environment than a lot of other motorcycles do because they're lightweight and because the V-Twin is a torquey motor that has a natural high cornering clearance, you know. There's not a lot down there to catch on, you know, twigs and brush and logs. So there's just not much down there to hurt. So that's kind of cool. And uh, Lord knows the entire bottom end of that motor is just a big bash plate anyway. So, (laughs) like, what can I hit with that oil pan? Anything. I mean, come on. You want to break with that oil pan. Right. Yeah. I hit a big rock and I broke it. You know, oil pan? No, the rock. I broke the rock. That's it. And so, the song. And that, my friends, is the end of our podcast. Remember to drive fast and take chances and hit it. The only part of the bus cast that sounded good. That's it.